In order to support this show and keep providing you tons of free content week after week, we need the help of some great advertisers, and we want to make sure those advertisers are ones that you actually want to hear about, but we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com slash she and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better so that we can bring on advertisers that you won't want to skip through. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply, but again, that's P-O-D. S-U-R-V-E-Y.com slash she. Thanks for your help. Guess what? Own Your Everyday is officially out in the world, and it is crazy to think that tens of thousands of you have already read it in just a handful of weeks. If you're multi-passionate or if you feel like you're a grown-up but still don't know what you want to be when you grow up, or if you're like me and find that you're chasing after something more but also trying to find contentment where you are with what you have, this is the book you need to read this summer. It's available anywhere books are sold, Target, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Amazon, Walmart, and more. Go get it. Oh man, I am so pumped for today's episode. I cannot wait for you to hear it. Okay, so <laughs> in today's episode, I invited my friend Mallory Irvin on the show and we had such a great conversation. Um, really, I felt like it really aligns with the message and the heartbeat behind my new book, Own Your Everyday. And I really think it's a very healthy perspective on perfectionism, on achievement, on dreams, just these things that we can be so bogged down by and even feel the pressure with. It's so funny. I was like, why do we feel pressure to figure out our dreams? I don't know. So, you know, I just felt like it aligned so much her perspective and her experience. She had success at a very young age. And I think that is a unique position to be in and learning to navigate that in any capacity, whether maybe you are, you know, in school and really experiencing um, the weight of perfectionism and feeling like you have to prove something because you've had success before, or maybe you are in a job where you've advanced very quickly or frustrated because you haven't advanced very quickly. I don't know what your position is right now, but I do know that this episode is going to bless your life, girl. Okay. So you're going to want to listen to this whole thing all the way through. I'm telling you it is gold. But before we dive into this, I want to tell you a little bit about Mallory and her background, just just in case you're unfamiliar with her. Mallory is a YouTube personality, a former Miss Kentucky, former Miss America fourth runner up and three time amazing race contestant. She is also the founder of the Live Fully brand, helping and inspiring others to not live mediocre lives. She is also a podcast host, so we're going to make sure we link her podcast in the show notes in case you want to check out her show as well, because we are all about spreading the love over here. So all that to say, I think you are going to love this conversation with Mallory. Let's dive into it. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. Hey, Mallory, welcome to the She Podcast, friend. What an honor. Oh, my gosh. I'm so (laughs) excited to be on the She Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Are you kidding? Absolutely. And now we've just discovered off air that we are the same Enneagram type. I feel like we need to just start there. (laughs) I know. You know what? I love this. I love this self-discovery. Everybody's just gone on with the the Enneagram. Everybody's like, what Enneagram are you? You know, (laughs) but I love it. You and I both being in the space of going, going deep within yourself and trying to figure yourself out. I mean, 
it's so cool and mm-hmm. it's so it's so spot on isn't it like it's freaky it's freaky it's, it's crazy like you and I are both a three four mm-hmm. and which is the motivator which yep. I'm, I'm fine then because we are in good company <laughs> with the you know the, the people in this space but yep. yeah oh, we're the same and we used so to be and I used to be a different version of the, this Enneagram I feel like that was not as as good as this version so <laughs> Well, honestly, when I first, I think it's actually just understanding what, what you tend to do that helps you actually improve because it made so much sense why I was like, why am I so obsessed with constant success, like constant achievement, like regardless of the dynamic or the context that it's in, like, I want to feel like we won and I want to play just to win and just to like, (laughs) and I start to like blend with my environment if I don't really understand what I'm doing and Oh my gosh, it's so helpful. My husband and I, I didn't even mention this before we got on um, the podcast, but we were reading The Path Between Us. Have you read that book? No, I haven't. Okay, so I'll have to read it. So good. We were reading it last night and it basically helps you understand not only each number, but then like the relationship between numbers. So if you're in like the chapter on being a three, it says relationships for threes. So like as a three, how you function in relationships. And then it also has this whole page of how to, you know, basically be in relationship with a three. Like threes don't like to be interrupted when they're working on something. Yeah. So we listened to that or we read that and then my husband did it because he's a nine. And so I was going to ask, what is he? You know, yeah. What's the nine? Remind me of what the nine um, is. So the it's, challenger? it's the peacemaker. So he's the peacemaker. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. So he's like the string to my balloon is kind of how we've been <laughs> explaining. it. He keeps me calm. He helps me balance. He reminds me to rest. And I kind of help like fire him up and we, we balance each other. Well, <laughs> that's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. It's so fun. Well, I love that we're the same type. I'm like, no wonder I like immediately thought we'd be friends. So this works out so well. <laughs> It does. It does. Oh, so fun. Okay. Well, before anything else, I thought it'd be kind of fun just to ask like a fun question. Just, I mean, we've already dove into all things Enneagram and soul searching, but curious if you have any favorite TV series or documentaries that you are loving at the moment. I just kind of want to start with something simple. (laughs) Oh my gosh. A favorite TV series. This is so funny that you asked that. Um, We love this show called Southern Charm. Do you know this show? No. It's like, I'm not that like bravo showy Uh like i don't watch all the housewives and all those but i don't know if it's just because i'm from the south and i know a lot of the people from charleston but we just are a sucker for southern charms it's like (laughs) it's such a it it does not embody anything that i'm about you know really but it is pure entertainment gold oh my gosh we're into that one right now and um you know i really like the bachelorette right now because the girl that's on the bachelorette um she did pageants and Mm -hmm. um she just you know she's just a character and then one of the guys that's on there that i feel like is going to make it pretty far worked for kyle um when kyle had a a parking company so we're into that what about you i love it okay that's so interesting and also i want to talk about a little bit of your pageant journey too but um we've been watching bosch have you ever watched bosch botched bosch b-o-s-c-h no. Oh, it's, it's a crime show. And basically you oh, follow this detective around and it's interesting. I used to not really <laughs> love them because it would give me bad, bad dreams, <laughs> but I've gotten a lot better about my uh, nightmares and we've been watching, we watched Sherlock Holmes and now we're watching Bosch, which are both basically detective movies. And 
It's just so interesting. Or not movies. I'm sorry, shows. So well, I need a good suggestion. So I'm gonna have to try that one. I would um, check it out. I, I've enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because we love the Datelines and the investigative discovery shows. My, yeah, my they're like, addicting. Walk, it's bad. If I walk in one more time to our house and you're watching a show called Wives with Knives, like I don't know what I'm gonna do. <laughs> <laughs> so now you've switched to, shov- to Southern Charm. So different. Right. Exactly. <laughs> That's great. Oh my gosh, I love it. Okay, so let's just talk about you a little bit. You grew up in Kentucky. Tell me a little bit about your family and one of your favorite childhood memories from growing up. I hear that you were the oldest of a very large family. Is that true? I was, yeah. So um, I grew up in Western Kentucky. It was literally in the middle of nowhere. It's called Union County. That's the county that it's called. And literally like a couple stoplights and um, we had one high school in our entire county, like one little small. It was just super small. And it was really cool because I'm the oldest of 23 first cousins on one side. So my my dad's family literally we lived like out in the middle of nowhere in the middle of Kentucky, um, all around my grandparents' houses. We like built these houses on all this land and it was just the most magical. Magical is the only word that I can use to describe it way to grow up because, mm-hmm. um, our family, it was like I had 22 siblings. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw each other every day. It was really special. Um, my dad and uncles, we had a family business. They were really successful in business and just chose to keep our family um, in Kentucky. And they kind of flew out of our backyard at the beginning of every week. And um, they would work like across the country and then come back. And wow. that was our home base. And it was just, it was amazing. Oh my like gosh. Everything that you think country living is like <laughs> we were that picture. <laughs> yes. I love it. Oh my gosh. Well, I grew up in a neighborhood with neighbors who were all like family. And my husband is from Arizona, which is a little bit different. Like growing up in the South of the Midwest, I feel like you get that a little bit more, whether it's family or neighbors. And he said it was so funny when we were dating and he came to visit my family for the first time. He was sitting in our kitchen and one of our neighbors just walked in, grabbed a jug of milk, and walked out. And he was like, what just happened? <laughs> like opened the fridge, took what he needed and left, you know, and just having those relationships was so normal for me that I think I took it for granted. But then you, you don't hear about that very much to have that, uh, yeah. you know, we have friends now that live in Southern Indiana, Indianapolis and the whole family lives on like you know, however many acres and they're all within a mile of each other and they see right. each other. It's so cool. Like we're like, this is actually, I love the family business and just the family dynamic of really seeing your family as a team rather than a bunch of individuals. And oh yeah, it's, oh yeah, it's huge. I think that's so special yeah. and kind of a lost art. So I think that's really, really, awesome. it really is. And yeah. And you know, we're, we're even still like really intentional. It's, this is uh something that's very different that like our family does. We have like a kind of a foundation together, this, um, we do a lot of like philanthropic things together and we come together quarterly and my cousins and I, and we, you know, make decisions around investments and decisions around, um, you know, different philanthropic endeavors and, and different things. And, um, we talk about our lives and what's going on in our own jobs and businesses. And it's just, it's a really cool thing. We we've always been super intentional about our family. You just reminded me to say that whenever you just said that about when people see their families as a team, like our family is a, team Mm -hmm. and um yeah it's just it's a really cool thing it's rare this this day and age totally well I think that's great I I love that and I do you feel like that prepared you for so you were in pageants later in life right like growing up I was then you became Miss Kentucky how do you feel like that influenced and did, did it influence and did it affect that journey at all well, yeah, you know, I, um, I was not a pageant girl, mm-hmm. so to speak growing up. I was a tomboy. Um, I was a singer. I sang country music my entire life. So I was always on the stage. 
um, and always, you know, a leader, a leader of all of my cousins and a leader kind of in, in my community. I, I just, I was, I loved just performing and entertaining and speaking and all of those things. And, mm-hmm. um, my family always really supported that. My grandparents would bring me or my parents would bring me every single week to Nashville to voice lessons. It was two and a half hours there and two and a half hours back. Wow. Um, and it was a family affair, you know, mm-hmm. making sure that I got to do all of these things and have all these opportunities at a really young age. So yes, my, my family definitely contributed in that way, but also like part of the job of I just decided on a whim to do Miss Kentucky and Miss America. That was just mm. 35% of the score was talent in the Miss America pageant. And and I was like, you know what? I don't know how to do this walk thing and this dress thing, but I do know how to, <laughs> do, know how to do the walk. The interview. <laughs> yeah. And I think I can learn the other things. So mm. that's the reason that I decided to do that. But the main, uh, the main reason was that in certain states, like Kentucky in particular, you it's a real job. It's a role. It. Um, I worked for the Department of Agriculture, and what I did was I traveled the state of Kentucky, and I spoke at about five to seven sometimes schools every single day by wow. myself. I literally traveled from one end of that state to the other, and certainly like being the oldest of 23 children, not children, but cousins, um, I was, I was always setting an example and that's what I was doing in the role of Miss Kentucky is hmm. working with kids and a massive group of kids. Wow. And, um, yeah, so I think that definitely prepared me for that. Mm-hmm. Wow. So interesting. Okay. So singing became your talent as Miss Kentucky, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, singing was always kind of something that I had done. And right. so, yeah, that's what I chose. Okay. Yeah. So then tell me about your transition from music to pageantry and how your maybe your expectation of being Miss Kentucky aligned with your actual experience. Cause I feel like those are a little yeah. bit different. So, um, I went to, I took a traditional route. I had a lot of really big opportunities whenever I was younger in the kind of singing realm, but I was from a very grounded family that was not about to let me go off and become some singer and Mm -hmm. sign a record deal or with a manager or something at 14 they were like you finish school and then go to college and then after that you do your career Mm -hmm. and um that was always my plan so I went to school at University of the South it's an hour and a half south of Nashville and um I continued to pursue music um kind of through college and Mm -hmm. I I mean I had the opportunities that you need Mm-hmm. to make it. And w- when I decided to go in a different direction, it was right after college is when I won the Miss Kentucky pageant. Hmm. And it, and you know how like sometimes life just does this to you. You, uh, you, you do something and it just takes you in a different direction if you're open to it. And mm-hmm. that was what Miss Kentucky was to me because instead of standing on a stage and singing, I sang at every school that I was at. I was singing in the Miss America pageant, but I fell in love with speaking and I fell in love with making a difference and, and inspiring kids and people. And I got, I helped get bills passed in the Senate and the house. And I, hmm. you know, I got all these amazing opportunities, uh, that I didn't have with singing. And, um, I kind of caught the bug and I loved doing different things. I've always kind of been like an entrepreneur and kind of, a um, liked to do a bunch of different things. So I really kind of realized that if I took the, the path of, of singing and music, I knew I was signing up to do the same thing for the rest of my life. And um, I would kind of be leaving all these other things that I just figured out that I really loved behind. So Hmm. I just, um, right after I did Miss America, I I was a runner up in Miss America and I was cast for the amazing race. So a lot of times they'll like reach out to you to do a show and then you go through the process. So went through the process, got picked and I did two back-to-back seasons of that. And then that opened the TV door. So it was just kind of like, 
oh my gosh. So, so the wow. expectation of, of Miss Kentucky, I thought, well, this will be cool. Maybe I'll win Miss America. <laughs> Maybe right. not. Maybe, you know, this will be a thing, but it really became a pivotal moment in, in a shift in what I, what I chose to do with my life. Hmm. So. Isn't that crazy? So, I, I relate to that so much. How one little decision to try something maybe that you otherwise wouldn't have that didn't exactly align with what you were doing, but was cur- like, it sparked curiosity. It somehow yes. like excited you and how it totally changes the tra- trajectory of your life. It's if you're open to it. Yes. yes. And, yes. and I think that a lot of people, I was just talking about this to someone recently. People think, okay, this is my mountain to climb. This is my career. This is my pivotal. This is what I want to get to. Mm. And they climb and climb and climb. And maybe something sparks their interest, but they're like, no, I'm on this mountain. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't go on that one now. Cause I'm on this one. I got to get some top and I've already put in so much time and energy. Mm. And I've always thought, and everybody else thinks this is the mountain I'm supposed to be on. And nobody gets off the dang mountain and onto mm-hmm. the right one. And I, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've switched them several times and, yeah, it's so true. Um, exactly what you just said. I think so many are afraid to try things too. And I don't know if this ever, this is kind of, I'm going off of off script here. Like I had a couple talking points, but I actually really want to touch on this because I think it's really true and it's very much aligned with my heart and message for women. Um, and for both of us being the same kind of personality type where we have probably a lot of similar tendencies, being mm-hmm. kind of a performer, an achiever, a motivator, right? It can be a little scary to... It's really crazy because I've always been one like, okay, we're going to try this. We're going to try that. But there's always this weird fear in the back of my mind of like, what are people going to think if I switch mountains, right? Or if I switch. Paths. Exactly. Because now you got eyes on you. You got totally. eyes. Everybody else is watching. You climb your mountain. Totally. You're not just climbing it by yourself. Right. And then you're like, oh, just kidding. I'm going to climb this other mountain because this door opened and this path led me this way. But yeah. I often say like, I feel like I kind of look like a crazy person that I can't decide what I want to do, but I'm really just following the next right opportunity in front of me. Exactly. Is prayerfully and intentionally as I can, but, um, you know, as an achiever. And I think that's a fear of a lot of women of like, I don't want to be seen starting small or starting over or falling or struggling. So we just don't do anything, I think. And so as I I love that story and I love that, you know, hopefully gives a little bit of courage to somebody to maybe there's that thing in front of them that seems a little off base, but really is pulling at them. Just like, go for it. Just try it. You don't know what it could lead to, you know? Yes. 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 Like that. What a beautiful message. I, I say it all the time. I mean, everybody started at zero. You and I both started at zero Instagram followers and zero, you know, listeners or whatever Mm -hmm. it was. And you just, you want to say who cares, but I get it because I've cared before. You've cared before. These people that are listening are like, I care. Yeah, I care. I I, I totally get it though. But man, what if you get to the end of your life and you look back and you're like, shoot, Hmm. why did I, well, I didn't start that because Mm -hmm. I was afraid of what people were going to think. Right. I, I get it because I've been there, but wow, when I broke through that mold and when mm-hmm. I, I changed that mindset, I've, I've ridden every single wave that life has, has brought me. Mm-hmm. And it's been amazing. Like riding so many different waves, yeah. riding so many different mountains yes. and um, no one sees me as like, like I was, you know, you worry too, when you're inspiring other people or you're, you, you're, you're any sort of like motivator, mm-hmm. you know, you worry about the example that you're setting totally. and you worry that people are going to see you as flaky or not following through or like, mm-hmm. you know, they're following along so closely, but 
you know, I want to be the example of someone that takes opportunities and takes risks and chances. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I didn't really used to do because I was yeah. afraid of losing. Yes. too. Oh my gosh. Same. And I think that is huge too, is you can, it's all about your perspective. I could be seen as flaky. And the reality is like, you can't, we can't control what other people are going to assume anyway. Like we could sit so still true. and stay comfortable and do the one thing forever always. And people could just think we're boring, right? Like there's no way yep. to control it. So we kind of have to get to a point where it's like, well, I could, I could assume that's what they will think. Or I could think, you know what, or I could be the example setter of someone who owns the fact that I have multiple, you know, passions and learning how to take risks and go for it. I think there's so many who aren't doing that either. And so when we have the drive or the opportunity or the personality type, sometimes it's like, you don't want to be unwise about it, but if you can do it with a little bit of wisdom and intentionality and have those people that balance you in life, I think it can be a really powerful thing that, and there's obviously a reason, you know, our personality types exist. And so I think it's better yeah. to just own that than to deny it. So yes, so I true. Love it. What a great message. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I love it. Well, I'm curious. Okay. So this was something I was going to ask about because especially with our personality types, as we're talking about and being in a position of influence and risk-taking and opportunities and even performance to some degree and inspiration, did you ever struggle with perfectionism? Do you ever struggle with perfectionism? Like, I think we should just park here and dive into it because I think regardless of personality types, it's a struggle. (laughs) But I'm just curious through your journey, whether it was in pageantry with your singing, you know, passions and pursuits with what you're currently doing. Like, tell me a little bit about if you've ever struggled with that and what that experience has been like. I mean, if, if you look at, if you would look at me now, if you watch my stories on Instagram or my YouTube videos, or you'd be like, no way <laughs> you were a perfectionist because I'm so far from it now after years of, of therapy and, you know, going through some really like life shattering mm. moments that forced me to change. I was, I was, my roots were deep in perfectionism. I think it's, you know, birth order or being the first of all these kids Mm -hmm. and, and then being a performer and being on the stage, I became this, I became a role model. I became like a star in my community. I became all of these things. And I, I was so, I was so deeply ingrained in my perfectionistic tendencies, Jordan, that I truly can say it almost ended my life. Like an actual, like actually almost ended my life, my actual life, not just like, Oh, it's all over. And like heartbreak, like Hmm. I actually was running myself into the ground so much to do for other people. I also, as part of my perfectionism, I couldn't say no to people. It was that, um, you, you know, like just being, being viewed in other people's eyes as like, oh, well, she doesn't care about other people. Mm-hmm. And I just, I always said, yes, I said yes to everything. Mm-hmm. And at one point in my life, I wasn't sleeping. Uh, so I was on sleeping medication and then I was on medication to help me stay up. And then mm-hmm. I was literally, I wouldn't sleep for like six days. Sometimes I would tr- drive across the state to do all these obligations that people ask me to do that. I very simply could have said no to, yeah. but I just couldn't. And it, it was crippling to me. And mm-hmm. at one point in, in my life, you know, I was having heart issues and I was ha- like, wow. literally my heart almost stopped. Hmm. And wow. that was kind of my turn, my turning point. And I, I had to go through kind of a long process of therapy and different things. And that's what broke me from my perfectionism. But hmm. I literally, it was so bad. It almost killed me, wow. which is something you don't usually hear about perfectionism, but totally. It ruins a lot of lives, but it literally almost ended mine, well, I feel like. I am so glad that you shared that because I think we need to not normalize it in such a way that it's good. Like I always say, just because it's normal doesn't mean it's good. Um, but I think there Correct. are such varying degrees of this. And 
it's so crippling that it really can create like crippling anxiety and crippling fear and health issues because it almost consumes your entire existence. It consumes the way you interact with people, the way that you work, the decisions that you make, you know, and it really can be paralyzing in so many ways. And I'm so glad that you shared that. So would you say the one of the action steps that really helped you was therapy and actually getting like professional help? Oh, absolutely. With me in the state that I was in, you know, a lot of people, you're exactly right. They have varying degrees. There are a Mm -hmm. lot of women and, you know, men, I don't know how many men are listening to your podcast, the she podcast. (laughs) Hello to to those men. I, I, you know, things start small. Nothing starts at a hundred. Like Mm -hmm. everything is this gnawing thing. And then it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And if you are one of those lucky people that are listening to this right now, that's like, you know what, this tendency that I have, whether it's perfectionism or whether it's procrastination or whether it's gossiping or whatever that crutch is that, Mm -hmm. that is yours. You know, if you're in the beginning stages of that and you can start working on that, then more power to you. And that's awesome. And start now Mm -hmm. because mine you know, mine got so big and so bad. And so that, that I, I truly had to have professional help. Some people may not have to have professional help at Mm -hmm. this point in time. They can listen to something that there's a reason you're hearing everything. There's a reason that you're hearing everything that, that we're saying today on this podcast. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if, if you're hearing this and that strikes a nerve with you, then, Hey, let that be a a gift from God that, Mm -hmm. that they're, uh, that you, that you feel like that and start working on that because, um, you don't want to have to get to the point where you have to have a professional help you, but they saved my life. So, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that was critical in my journey, certainly. But if you're not to that point yet, um, you know, help yourself by inspiration and by podcasts and books. There are so many amazing books and tools that can help you. And now like mm-hmm. online, like sort of therapy, therapy apps and like all mm-hmm. these amazing tools that you can use before you get to that point. Yeah. And I think I, lo- one, I love that you're sharing that because I think that's going to give, I mean, I think the more that I've heard like, Hey, me too, it gives me courage. Like when we first, this is a different situation, but when we first got married, we, it's so funny to me how like, Sometimes we do like premarital counseling, but then we don't actually like take on counseling once you get married. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. there's like this whole new slew of issues. And the first yeah. couple of years, I kind of, we like kind of fought it because we were like, no, like we're not broken. Everything's fine. But when we heard that our friends actually were doing it, we were like, oh, like there's something about others kind of, you know, maybe just saying, hey, like it's not scary and it's okay and it's actually smart, you know, yes. to take, to get that help that you need if you need it. And, you know, it's funny because we were like, well, we don't really need it. Like our marriage is fine. You know, whatever. It's great. But there were still a lot of things we could have learned and we probably would have benefited from. We just didn't want to need anything. And my right, husband that's now. a perfectionist. Totally. <laughs> totally. And my husband, he now describes it as like an oil change. He's like, look, mm-hmm. this has mm-hmm. been like a preventative maintenance for us. A lot of people think like you have to get counseling if you're completely crumbling, which is often true. Like if you're at a place where you just really need some personal professional help, like that's awesome. But it can also be wise to do before you get to that point, whether it's with perfectionism or something else, because otherwise the reality is like, you don't change the oil in your car after your engine blows up. (laughs) You do it to prevent your engine from blowing up, you know? What a great way to put it. Yeah. My sister did that actually, but she's the only one that I know. Like, (laughs) well, you know, (laughs) that's always, you know, I think that that makes sense. But I think they're also the part of it is we have this idea that we have to be completely crumbling in order to seek help. And 
I love what you said. Like it might not be necessarily counseling right now, but it could be opening up to a friend. It could be listening to a podcast. Like not, I think the problem when we struggle with perfectionism to it with any degree is like a, I can do it all by myself, like a DIY. Yes. I got this and I'll figure it out. And that's where we start to isolate ourselves. That's where we start to yes. really overcommit ourselves because we want to prove we've got it all together. I mean, I wrote an entire chapter on perfectionism in my book because I was like, this is a real struggle for me, but I think regardless of our personality types, we live in this culture that is so image-based, a lot of pressure to prove, a lot of pressure to keep up and outrun, that I think we can subconsciously struggle with perfectionism without even realizing it and almost become Absolutely. obsessed with how things look. So I'm Absolutely. I'm so glad that you shared that. And I just hope this is an encouragement to anyone listening who might be like, okay, what kind of, what form of help do I need to seek if I am really feeling stuck or to the degree right. maybe that you right. were struggling. I mean, it's huge. So yes. And I mean, you know, we only, how we say this, but we only have one life. Mm-hmm. And if you, you know, there are so many different degrees of like holding your breath through life or numbing things or brushing things under the rug that will, you're going to be living your life at 50%. You don't even mm-hmm. know what hundred percent feels like mm-hmm. until you either see, and it's, a, you're right. It doesn't always have to be therapy, but until you address those issues, maybe it's a conversation that you need to have with a parent mm-hmm. or with a spouse mm-hmm. or with a coworker or something like that. These things that like hold us back in our lives, um, whether you can put a name to them like perfectionism or not these things are real yeah. and these things will ruin it not always ruin your life but they will drastically alter your life yes. and you can't ever live it out fully I feel like so it's, true uh, you can't live your yeah. life half lived and really be living you know it's so true it's, so and true. I think so many of us operate on autopilot like we get into passive mode so true <laughs> kind of yes. accept that is normal and it's like no 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 yeah. no, no that's that's not normal <laughs> that's not yeah. good mm-hmm. it might be normal it's not good mm-hmm. I love that um okay I'm curious I when I wrote about perfectionism in my book I talked a lot about how what I overcome perfectionism at least on a kind of a micro level on a daily basis when I really focus on prioritizing and what's truly important, like the deeper why, the ultimate like reason, you know, what's the most important thing here? Because I think perfectionism, when I struggle with it, I begin to worry about things that actually aren't true priorities. Like if, if I was listing my priorities, <laughs> um, I probably <laughs> wouldn't list other people's opinions in the top five, right? But the way that yeah. I begin to operate, it begins to take precedent. So the way I'm living yeah. versus what I've actually listed are two completely different things. And so that was something that I talked about. So I'm just curious from like a priority standpoint, um, how do you prioritize your decisions now or do you have any advice that you would give recovering perfectionists or those thinking that they should have already figured out their life by now? Oh my gosh. Um, I have a lot of advice. I have a lot of advice. Lay it on us. We need it all. We need it all. It's it's so funny that you just said that because I did the same thing with the listing thing. And um, one of my things is I'll like be straightening up my house when I have 50,000 things to do Mm -hmm. that are going to like record a podcast or like write a chapter of a book or something Mm -hmm. that's really important to my career, my family, like all of the people that I want to reach and I'm sitting there fluffing a pillow. Yeah. I can see it in in my life, but you know, what you just said at the very end of that question was um, to those women and young people that think, or or older people Mm -hmm. that think they have to have it all figured out. That is the person that like, I am the most, I really, really want to reach that person because I was that person. And because you have now at 20 something being in all of these Mm. lists of authors. And I mean, look at the success that you've achieved at such a young age. Mm. That was to me, whenever I was almost one Miss America, when I had all these national television shows Mm. and, and all of these really amazing things. And I had spoken to tens of thousands of Mm. people that 
that was like so totally crippling to me. Mm. And um, after that, I kept thinking I have to do something better than what I've done before and do something better and do something better. Mm-hmm. It never and ends. The finish I line always totally, moves. <laughs> yes. I crashed and burned from that. Mm-hmm. And that was that, you know, part of my life that I was talking about a while ago. But this notion that you have to have your life figured out at 24 mm-hmm. is a lie. It's mm-hmm. a lie mm-hmm. that society and that I don't know who's telling it at this point in time. <laughs> Everybody's telling it. Yeah. But it's and sometimes it comes from from just seeing your friends. Oh, well, my two best friends are married and they have a child. That does not mean Mm -hmm. that you have to get married and have a child. Right. That means that your path is different from your friend that just got married and had a child. And that is okay. And that's, Mm. um, that is such a, I, I hate to see that in people. I see it all the time. in like young people that I'm around, you know, they'll say that they, Oh, can you help me up with someone? Or can you, which that's not bad, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's, um, it's just this whole notion of, Oh my gosh, everybody else has it all together and I don't because this life thing, it's a it's a whole big ball game until the end. Mm. And at 56, if you don't have it figured out yet, that's okay too. Because yeah. you still got a lot of years. And that and if you're always like looking to that next, you know what? When I retire, my dad always says this, like about people. He always says, I hate to see to hear those people that are like, you know what? I'm really, when I go on that vacation in June, I'm going to have the time of my life. Or when I retire, I'm going to really start living. Mm -hmm. Or when I get married, that's when my life will begin. Or when I have a child and they're missing it, they're missing the whole like boat of life. And life is not all like, you know, happiness, like maybe the boat to those destinations, it's going to be bumpy and rocky and stuff, but that's, that's your life. Yep. You know, that's, that's your life. And, And it's a wonderful thing if you can just embrace it and moment such a cliche thing that you hear all the time but it is so true if you can just um let go of that notion that you have to have it all figured out and ride whatever wave you're on Mm -hmm. and if you feel unhappy in a job or in a relationship or whatever have the courage to get out of that and start on to the next wave you're going to be just fine Mm -hmm. now if you stay on the same dang wave because you're like well i've been with this man for seven years i'm sure that this is the right thing if you have those gnawing feelings right or if you're unhappy in your job you have to have the courage to to move to get to get out of that situation Mm -hmm. um I am like sitting here I've got like praise hands up in the air um (laughs) literally (laughs) the mess like the you are literally like summarizing 96 percent of my book that I wrote because yes because well no because and not to like talk about the book but truly it's like I feel so passionate about this message for women because I feel like regardless of seasons like my mom's always said I love this advice that she gave me growing up she was like Jay life comes comes in in phases. And I think what can happen is we can feel like, oh, because so-and-so is in this phase, I must be in that phase too, or I'm missing the boat. And when you start thinking like that, you actually are missing the boat on where you really are. And this idea of, I I hate the phrase, like, I need to find my purpose. I'm like, it's not lost. Like, you're looking at it wrong. And, (laughs) you know, this work, I feel like everywhere we go, especially now on the internet, like the message is constantly like, go after your dreams, find the thing, do the thing. And I'm over here like, yes, let's do it. Like, try things, like fumble into your dreams, have one and go for it. But then I started to pay attention and I'm like, I think there's a lot of people who like to hear that, but then also feel a little bit pressure by it because they're like, well, what if I don't know? What if I don't know my dream? What if I don't know my thing? Like, what if I haven't figured that out? Especially in the the 20s and 30s years, it's the weirdest time. I've been talking with my friends about this because that's kind of the season of life we're all in and it's awesome, but it's also really weird because you have 
a really interesting dynamic. Like my friend groups are made up of like some of my friends are single, like just, you know, starting a new career or yeah. you know living downtown in a loft with three other gals. And then some of my friends have like three toddlers. And then there's like friends like me and Matt where we've been married a few years. We own a home. We run a business. But yet like we're not having kids yet. And everyone's yeah. in these different seasons. So you can start to feel like what have I not figured out yet? What have I not done right yet? Am I missing the boat on something? And you miss yeah. where you really are and like you forget to savor your season and be open to having big opportunities and going for them, but also learning what's it look like to still be content where I am without necessarily Absolutely. getting complacent. You know, it's a challenge. Because sometimes, sometimes, you know what, the thing you're supposed to be doing is just living life. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there's those lulls and like yeah. you're at the plateau and you simply have to live life. And do you know what that means to, to me and where I think the message to people that are possibly listening to this. It's like, what do you mean just live life? I'm living life. You know what's not living life? Mm -hmm. Hating your job all the time, living for the weekends, drinking drinking mm -hmm. yourself into the ground mm -hmm. all weekend, watching Netflix, numbing everything out. Complaining. And not <laughs> complaining, mm -hmm. talking about people. That is not living life. Mm -hmm. That is, that's pro projecting things and that's, everyone's done it before. I've done all, all of those things mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. And um, you have to participate in your life. You have to feel the good things and you have to feel the bad things. And when the bad thing comes, comes along, you feel that pain and you go into that pain and you say, okay, what, what is that? Why is this here? Okay. What mm -hmm. am I going to learn from this? And sometimes in life, in the middle of the dream chasing and all the millions of dreams you're going to have in your life, you're going to have so many different dreams. Mm -hmm. That's another thing. Everybody thinks yes. you have to have one dream. Yes. Thank you for saying you this. Have, you can have a million different dreams. Like, yes. you know, it, it, things change. My dreams have changed so many times. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, but sometimes in the middle of those dreams, sometimes it was just about living and living, um, in between those, those things yes. and, uh, and not just numbing everything out and just waiting until, until the next thing, because mm -hmm. whenever you numb out, like all those bad things, that I'm not good enough. And all my friends are married and, and I, I don't have the job I want and I hate everything. When you numb out all of those bad things, you numb out all the mm -hmm. good things too. And I think that so many people, they just miss the relationship that's right in front of them or they, the job opportunity or, or the nagging thing in their head. That's like, Hey, I got a new dream for you. They, they mm -hmm. miss those things because yes. they're, they're numbing out all the in-between because they think they're in the wrong spot. Oh, so. so good. It's so, so yeah. true. And I love that you said it's okay to have a million dreams because we have, we live a lot of life and we, we have a lot of a experiences lot. and our experiences can shift our dreams. I don't think it's bad to be focused on a goal for a span of time, but I think what can happen is I think we can believe this lie that we must have tunnel vision, never take no for an answer, et cetera, et cetera. And I look at my life and I'm like, man, my husband, his big dream in one season of life when he was, you know, going through college was to make it into the NFL. Well, guess yeah. what? He did make it into the NFL. He didn't stay there very long, but he was there for, you know, a preseason and uh -huh. he got to play a game. And, you know, it's crazy to me because for a little while after getting released, he pursued that. But then it was like there was this shift in both of our hearts. We were in a new season of life. We had gotten married. New things were surfacing. And he pursued it to, like, give it his all. But he drew a line in the sand. And he was like, okay, if I'm not signed by this day, I have to move on with my life because there's new things for me. And I'm seeing this him. door closing. But I And I think that's wise. But I think so many of us can feel like this pressure that we must hold on to a dream and never let it go till it comes true. But even with what exactly. you were sharing, like your dream originated as music and you still got to do that in maybe a different context that you would have. Like what did my husband ultimately went out of the NFL? Well, he loved football, but he loved people and he loved coaching and he loved getting to impact people's lives. And it just gave him a platform to do that. 
Well, because yeah. he had the courage to let that go and discover a new dream and a new season, that's now eventually over the course of several years snowballed into what he's now doing with me. And he's still doing that. It's just a different context. And it's, it looks it's different so than true. we planned. What a great what a great example of that. You know, so I yeah. think we need to give women more permission to be open to new dreams that will surface as maybe you're pursuing one and it a door closes, you know, and Absolutely. we don't need to be afraid of the word no. It's just, okay, how do I not let no knock me down so I don't keep learning, trying, exactly. discovering? Exactly. You know, I never lost in my life. I never lost anything. I was a valedictorian and I, and I, I won, I, I won every, literally every single talent show that I was in and every single, all of these things. Mm. And when I did Miss America, you know, that's when I was introduced or, you know, I lost Miss Kentucky before I ended up winning Miss Kentucky. And mm. but I always knew I'll get there, you know, but mm-hmm. Miss America had one shot. I lost, I was runner up mm. and I was like, shoot, mm-hmm. actually like at the end, I don't even know that I wanted to really be Miss America in the very end of it. But when I lost that, a door opened. I got to do Amazing Race the next month. Had I won Miss America, I would not have been able to have that opportunity ever. When I lost that first Amazing Race, I got to do the All-Star season right after. When I lost that Amazing Race, I got to do another All-Star season. Mm. Every loss in my life has opened this amazing door. And that taught me the lesson that like, hey, you know, <laughs> losing's okay. But you know, mm-hmm. there are probably those people that are listening that are like, Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. So you lost Miss America. You got to do a national TV show. That's not waiting for me at the end of this loss. I just lost my job and I'm sitting here in a house. All my friends are married and I, and I hate what I do. And I, that's, mm-hmm. that's the person I've been that person. Also, mm-hmm. I've also been that person where it's, it's like despair. You mm-hmm. feel destitute. You feel despair. You just feel like, well, is this really the life thing that everybody's talking about? Mm-hmm. Like, and, um, to, you know, to that person, that's where you have to cut out the numbing. You have to like face your life for what it is, decide, you know, what's the direction that I want to take a step in. It's not, mm. what is my new dream? Mm. Let me get 19 self-help books and let me get <laughs> a planner that like I write down my intention every morning. And those things are great, but maybe you're not to that point yet. Maybe you just need to take a step in the right direction. And mm-hmm. is that hanging out with a different type of friend group that that because the people that you're around and the people that you speak to are the people that you become. I'm mm-hmm. a very firm believer in that. Is it maybe, you know, not spending the whole entire weekend at the bar, but maybe like taking up an exercise or something yeah. like that, you know, is it health? You need to prioritize. Is it um, your faith? Like, have you stopped, you know, whatever your faith is, have you stopped exploring that? And, and what is your next step mm. to a better life and just take that next step? And then take another step and then another step. And then maybe your dream emerges like while you're on that walk. But, you know, I I, I think it's just it's not always so black and white, especially in your 20s. And and now with Instagram has totally changed our world Mm -hmm. and our culture. Mm-hmm. Social media has changed our world forever, mm-hmm. and it is showing us normal people who have created these extraordinary-looking lives out of thin air. We're not looking at a magazine, and we're not able to write it off and be like, well, she's beautiful, but she's a model. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, I went to high school with that girl. How's she making a million dollars? What's she doing in Greece? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah, you, compare, seriously? You, you compare yourself to those people, but everybody knows uh-huh. that, that that is not 100% of the story it on Instagram. It never. 
why is she in so Greece? Good. I know. It's like, true. It's yeah. like, what the heck are you doing in Santorini? Don't you have a job? You know? And like, yeah. no. But no, I Nobody totally, works. I totally. Works on Instagram. Right. Right. So Instagram is like fairyland. It's like the fairy garden I played with when it I was is. six. It's so true. It oh my gosh. That's so funny. Yeah. Reality so check. But I will say, here's one thing that I think I love what you were sharing too, is like this, what's the next best little step rather than like, oh my gosh, I have to figure out my big dream. Like, I love that mm-hmm. because even one thing that I have found is usually when I start getting whiny, like, have you ever like wallowed in your life where you're like, womp, womp, oh, my Lord, life sucks yes. compared to so-and-so <laughs> when in reality, like you're actually okay. Like you're not dead. Like you're breathing, you're healthy. Like you're not you dead. just don't like your job. Like, okay, move yeah. on with your life. Like, don't be such a whiner. Um, yeah. but, <laughs> but one thing I found is like when I can get my eyes off of what's not going right in my life and start loving other people in areas that they're not going like in areas that they're might, they might be struggling. Like I remember one time I went through a breakup and my mom challenged me. So she's like, well, have you like called your friends and asked how they're doing? Or are you just sitting here like wallowing in your mess? And you know, it was a challenge. I mean, she said it in a nicer way, but the idea was like, Hey, have you like got your eyes off your own challenges for like two seconds and loved somebody else? Or, you know, because it's crazy how much fulfillment we feel when we are impacting other people's lives, even when we don't know what we're doing with our own. And it's crazy. I don't yep. know why we often think like to live our best life. We also have to be like the girl in Greece with a bajillion dollars. It's like, that is one <laughs> way to love your life. Like that's one awesome thing you can experience. But another really stinking awesome way is to take cake and co- or cookies to your neighbor. Like I have this little neighbor, Fran. I love Fran. She's amazing. If I didn't have Fran, like, I don't know what I would do. And you know, Fran is, like, Fran. Fran is my friend and she, <laughs> you know, but like I get so much fulfillment, like walking over in the summertime while she's like watering her garden and having a conversation with her that's also living my best life like just it is showing up in her life it's not always the showy glamorous thing it's also the just showing up in your life genuinely is even when there's things you don't love you know that's so true and I, I love that I love that what you just said well I think you've set that up very well like I mean it's so I think we often just like what you said with Instagram, we have created this ideal or this idea of like what utopia is and what living your best life is. And we forget that doing what we're made to do doesn't just embody, you know, figuring it all out or performing perfectly or winning every contest we're in or having the perfect job. It also is like, make your bed, talk to your neighbor, like wipe your kid's booty, like do the things you have to do and show up for your life in those ways too, because that also matters. It's so true. It's (laughs) so true. And you've just like reminded me of something just that I'll quickly mention also, um, giving, giving to other people. That's a really wonderful thing and participating in your life. Mm -hmm. And also, um, perspective is, is super important. And you're talking about like going to your neighbor and bringing her cookies. And I love that. I remember in the midst of like the whirlwind that Miss Kentucky was and when I was caught up, I was, yes, I was serving people, but I was also really Really caught up in a lot of perfectionism and, mm-hmm. and appearance and, and all of those things that I was caught up in. It. And towards the end of it, especially when I kind of started to spiral, I started to, when I had a break, like for an hour during lunch, like it would, what random county I was in in Kentucky, if I passed like a nursing home or like a, you know, any kind of assisted living place, I would walk in and I would say, hi, I'm Miss Kentucky. Like, is there anyone that I can visit? And you want to talk about changing your perspective. You walk into a place like that. Um, I just, uh, had a one-on-one like, or, uh, it was a very small group with this, uh, guy named Gary Vaynerchuk. He's like super, super hustle, 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 mm-hmm. motivate, motivate, mm-hmm. motivate, like a little crass, <laughs> something that he said, but I like him. I like, I like, you know, things, different things speak to different people. But he said, he said, you want to change your perspective and get out of your own head about, Oh, I have 
six likes on Instagram. Somebody called me and now he said, walk into an old folks home or, you know, mm-hmm. some kind of place like that yep. and talk to those people about their problems because that will change your perspective. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, we live in a time where yes, you know, people are super caught up in little things like about themselves. And, yes. and I just feel like, um, a lot of that is perspective because yeah. in the end of the day, in 10 years, who knows what Instagram is going to be. Right. And if you spend 85% of your time, if you, as soon as you wake up in the morning, I'm bad about this too. Go right on Instagram. Right. Or like, like, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? And in 10 years, is there even going to be an Instagram? Who knows? Mm-hmm. And like, look at all of the the, the energy that we're putting into these things, um, mm-hmm. these things can really be positive things as well. But um, just all that being said, perspective, I think is so mm-hmm. important. So yeah. Good. So, so good. And I think that applies to literally every disappointment we experience. Like you can look at it like, oh, that was a bummer. Or you could look at it as like, oh, that was a blessing. That was a rejection or that yeah. was a redirection. Like it's all about how you see it. And that's been a big discipline I've been trying to work on this year just with everything that especially as an achiever like I want everything to be a win right and I often count it as a loss just because it's second place so a big challenge that I've had to you know or in perspective I've had to take on is like is it best to finish first or is it best to finish strong even if that means I finish last because I'm making a difference in other people's lives and that's exactly a, that's a hard perspective for me as someone who always wants to win so yeah, I'm well, like, how old are you 20 25 25. You're also 25. If you get first place in everything right now, what do you have to look forward to Mm, and achieve? You know, I mean, that's a, that's another thing too. When you achieve such great success at the age you are, I mean, how many people are doing that? I don't, I don't see a ton of people at Mm. all out there. You are one in a million Mm. and you got to celebrate that Mm. because second place at that is pretty dang good, (laughs) but you're in first place right now. So just enjoy that. Thank you, sister. I needed that. (laughs) No, it's so good. It's so good. And it's so, so true. So no, I love it. Well, um, I am so encouraged chatting with you. I have two last questions. One, but they're both pretty quick. One thing is if the old you could see the new you and who you are now, what would they say? Uh, they would tell, they would tell me that they were really proud of the woman that I've become. Mm, That's so good. And I loved when we could own that. I love that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Last question is what is one way that you own your everyday? How do you show up in your life in a daily kind of from a daily perspective? You know, I I touched on it when we um, did this podcast, but I don't brush things under the rug. I don't brush conversations that need to be had. I don't brush issues that I have. I don't I don't brush um, habits that I start to form. I don't brush those under the rug. And and for me to own my every day and to move in the direction, whatever mountain or, you know, whatever all these Mm -hmm. things we've called them on this call on this podcast today, um, I, I have to own the fact that, uh, of, of when I'm, of, of when I'm numbing things out of when I'm, I'm falling into bad habits. And that allows me to own my everyday because, um, those things can truly like ruin your life and halt your, your moving forward. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, you know, everybody wants to talk about all of the positive things. Like I do, I do all these positive things too. I love to meditate and exercise and prioritize time with my family. And mm-hmm. I have a way that I schedule my work, but I also own those things that are really tough. And, um, those are the things that get in my way the most, I think. And, um, that's mm-hmm. how I think I own my everyday. I love yeah. that. So good. So good. I love it so much. Well, Thank you so much for all the wisdom and the stories and the advice and the encouragement and everything that you've shared with us. I know it's going to bless my sheet community so, so much. Oh, thank you. Please tell us where everyone can find you so they can follow along. 
So um, after I've dissed Instagram a hundred times, you can follow me on Instagram at Mallory. Irvin. <laughs> <laughs> no, at, um, it's just M A L L O R Y E R V I N on Instagram. I share a ton of my stories of just daily life. I really show up kind of as I am, and um, it's it's a really cool space and community. I also have a YouTube channel that we post a couple times a week on. We do a lot of vlogs and really fun things about everything from recipes to motivation to uh, how to baby proof your house. (laughs) Um, And then um, something that's really exciting and especially to share with your community is I, I have a podcast called living fully with Mallory Irvin that launches very soon. I don't know when this um, podcast will air, but it's, it's starting. It it probably will be live by the time this podcast airs. So um, I would love to have in anyone in your community that would, um, give it a listen to, to yeah. give it a listen. So hey, if you yes. guys like this podcast, go check out Mallory's too. <laughs> we'll yeah. make sure we, we'll make sure we put a link here in the show notes so we can find you. Thank and you. We, 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 we appreciate you. You are a gem and I'm so thankful. Well, thank you. This was a I real honor. Uh, whenever I, it makes I got so happy uh, to see you the email the to be on your so podcast, on I Instagram, couldn't have responded fast enough the because the things that you are doing like in this space, it's just you're really story. special in this special community you built and just to be able to come on it for a few minutes is pretty amazing. So thank you and thanks to everyone that listened. Even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content And it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less.